Everybody to drive into the basket, part of the Basketball Podcast Network. I am Mike, joined tonight by Dante. I, I wish I could come up with another funny reason why Tommy is is away, but we've already gone through the NFL Combine. Yeah, yeah, it's tough to it's tough to replicate. That was funny last time, and it's it's tough to replicate that. So I don't blame you. It's just, it's just me and Mike tonight. It's just Mike yeah. and I tonight. That's what it's going to have to be. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yep, yeah, got as usual a lot of good stuff to talk about tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, I know that Dante wants to give a, a shout out to, to Matt Stafford, who definitely doesn't listen to the show. But yeah, yeah, it has been it's been an interesting. Some might call it an emotionally draining week in sports, uh, especially if your name is Dante. So we've got <laughs> friend of Detroit, Matthew Stafford, um, Super Bowl bound now, which is I, I listen. I'm. I know a lot of Lions fans are, are, are happy for him, and I, I'm sure everybody saw the video of the one Lions fan in the Stafford jersey watching the Rams game jumping up and down. I, I'm not that guy. I just I can't root for other teams like that, but Matthew is a good dude. He gave us a lot of good years, and um, I wish him the best personally, but I'm probably probably a Cincy fan uh, two Sundays from now, and then obviously some fantastic playoff football. Um, and then the Pistons too. And then you've got Cade's massive game against the Nuggets. And then Cade comes out with uh, a bad game and then half a bad game and half an amazing game. And it was just lots to get into, man. Lots to get into. But before we do that, uh, there are a few housekeeping items that um, the three of us wanted to get out of the way first. Then we'll jump into the episode. So just for for the sake of, of being honest and, and to demonstrate our gratitude, we want to thank the listeners because ever since the, the the Cade Cunningham sweepstakes, right? Ever since the lottery, uh, listenership has really increased, and and you guys are coming out listening to every episode consistently, and the three of us really truly appreciate it. And so we're always looking for ways to, you know, improve to drive engagement with you, the listener. So of course we've got our user submitted uh, question segment. You can ask us those questions on the Detroit Pistons Discord. Um, of course, we post every episode on the r slash Detroit Pistons subreddit. Um, feel free to comment uh, any kind of suggestions, any thoughts that you had about the episode. Uh, we're more than happy to read them. In fact, I'm, I'm pretty sure we all read all of them and implement those changes if, if we all think that it would make for a better show. So we, we do have, we're, we're thinking, we're, we're talking of having some cool stuff coming up where we're going to involve the listeners more. Uh, but for right now, I, I think we'll leave it at that. And also... Feel free to follow us on Twitter as well. It's at to the basket pod, uh, not the number two. It's the uh, T O to the basket pod. Yep, yeah. to the basket pod. You could follow us on there. You can submit user submitted questions there too. So uh, yeah, I think that's it for the plugs. Um, are we ready to get into the episode? Absolutely. Yeah. So I would say our first item today, the NBA just earlier today released the rosters for the Rising Stars Challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rising Stars this year, twelve sophomores. 12 uh, rookies and in a very new piece of work uh, for players from the G League Ignite team. Yeah. G League Ignite team, of course, is the G League team, as it says in the title. But uh, these are players who went straight out from college instead of uh, going into the NCAA, excuse me, not straight out of college, straight out of high school, pardon me. Instead of going to the NCAA, uh, they get paid to directly. Of course, in the NCAA, you get paid now to, for the use of your likeness and so on and so forth. But you get paid directly by the G League Ignite. That's where Jalen Green came from last season. Jalen Hardy, who was a really big thing heading into this season, but has really struggled in the G League. 
is with the Ignite this year. I don't know. I think he's playing in the Rising Stars game. Yeah, I think sure. so. I think so. Yeah. Uh, whatever the case, the Pistons are well represented. You've got Cade Cunningham, of course, on the freshman team or on the rookie team. On the sophomore team, you've got Sadiq Bey and Isaiah Stewart. So uh, definitely great to see Detroit players recognized. I can't remember the last time the Pistons had a player in the Rising Stars Challenge. Let alone part. three. Let alone three of them, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think um, I think that Andre Drummond was the last one. I could be wrong. Maybe Kyle Singler, though I think he was drafted before Drummond. Uh, whatever the case, I remember you know Drummond had like a monster game way back when because, you know, whatever. <laughs> I don't like that guy. In any case, yeah, so it, it should be fun to watch. It's going to be in some sort of term, tournament format. I haven't really taken the time to understand it yet, but it's something I'll, I'll definitely be watching. And, uh, of course, the Pistons don't have any actual All-Stars, but that should come as no surprise. No, so, and, and listen, yeah. at, at this point, like this is about the best that you could hope for. Um, Absolutely. You've got your young nucleus of guys, right? And and it's nice to see that three of them have been recognized. And we've we've sort of got this thing in Detroit, right? There's a, there's a great uh, radio guy, Matt Derry. He does the Locked On Lions podcast now, but he was on 97.1 for many, many years. And he always used to say about players, um, are they good or are they Detroit good? Like, are they good in the in the broader context of the league that they play in? Or do we just think that they're good here in the uh, in the in the local uh, news sphere? And no, uh, our young nucleus is definitely pretty good. Now, you say what you will about Isaiah Stewart. We're going to get into him a little bit later. But Cade Cunningham and Sadiq Bey, these guys are absolutely, in my opinion, young rising stars in the league. And, it, and it's nice to get a little bit of recognition for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, Cade, of course, needs no explanation uh, like the, the the Cleveland game, or certainly the the game against the Nuggets, which the Pistons unfortunately did not win, uh, which is you know which is, is what it is. Uh, wins aren't, or excuse me, losses definitely aren't the worst thing in the world right now. But the games against Denver, uh, particularly the second one, and and the game against the Cavaliers, of course, really just highlighted again how special Kate is and how fortunate, yep. uh, tremendously fortunate, the Pistons were to win that draft lottery. Yep. Uh, just the sort of I know this is almost a trite term. At this point, and uh, even with respect to K, but just the it factor, uh, how he brings himself into big moments and just even just on a possession by possession basis. I saw he said something to the effect of that, that for him, every possession is its own little game. And when it's over, you know, you just you move on. You try to do the best you can in one possession and you move on to the next one. That's a great mindset. That That's yeah, such definitely. a great mindset. And you can really see it when he plays. Uh, there was a there was a post in the subreddit uh, a few days ago asking about Cade's ceiling. Uh, and I dropped a comment and, and it, it was lofty praise, but Mike, what you just said there about how each possession is its own little game. I think it speaks to how Cade's greatest strength, and of course he's got these these physical attributes, the size, the length, um, the the shooting touch, but but what what his best attribute is his brain, right? The way that he can decipher, you know, what the defense throws at him, manipulate the defense, and then make the best play. And 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 so going back to this post asking what is Cade's truest ceiling and I said that Cade's ceiling was like a six foot six Chris Paul. And I know that that seems crazy just a few months into his career. But when I watch Chris Paul, I see someone who understands the game at a level, um, at a, a notch higher than other guys who are paid millions of dollars to understand the game at a high level. He's just so far above his competition. He's so smart that he's always going to have a place in the league and he's always going to be impactful. He's always going to be productive. He's always going to perform. And when I watch Cade break down a defense, at the age of 20, it just, my mind just goes wild with what 
he could be. And I think that it it doesn't there are people who who may not believe that Cade, or at least pre-draft, might not have believed that Cade had the ceiling of a Jalen Green or an Evan Mobley when when you talk about his physical attributes. But right. someone's mind for the game can't be understated. Yeah, absolutely I agree. He's, he's definitely got very special basketball IQ to yeah. you know to pair with what's uh, obviously also excellent potential as a leader and it's worth remembering i mean the guy is less than half of a season kind of you know the games he's actually played crazy right? less than less than a season in the nba yeah, yeah. Uh, he's definitely got a, a long ways to go there are a lot of improvement that can be had not just in his game but physically speaking uh he's already quite strong but you can see there's a lot of you know he's, he's got a lot of space to add strength and just muscle and, and oh uh, for sure and um and you know it's probably makes some some physical improvements even beyond that uh, i think i'm certainly not the only person who's been pleasantly surprised by his ability to find his way to the basket and he does so or has done so oh i mean in the first place he just he has no trouble getting to his spots and i mean that was that was None. one minor concern like is he going to be able to get there in the nba and he does but he's getting there right now largely just by technical excellence and that's made it more difficult for him to get uh for him to get to the free throw line and it's like that with some other players as well. Of course, these are different players like Kyrie, you know, whatever you want to say about uh, about him. And absolutely, he's a douchebag. And I don't think anybody should disagree with that statement. Uh, arguably the best ball handler of all time. Mm-hmm. It does not get to the line very much for that reason. I'm not comparing Kate to him, but I mean, it's just some players who are able to get to their, who are able to get to spots to score at the rim without taking a lot of contact aren't going to get as many calls. Like Derek Rose didn't get many calls because he just, you know, he found ways to score there without really getting touched. So yeah. Cade, though, eventually, when he gets more comfortable and also just stronger, like when the guy is really going to be able to have guys on his back when he's driving to the basket, he's going to get a lot more of those calls. Mm-hmm. I love what you said about tactical excellence. I love yeah. it because that's what Cade is, right? He's a tactician. And so I, I agree with your assessment about the free throws, right? Sometimes you're a little too slippery for your own good. Like you're not just barreling in there like a Giannis or like a LeBron, right? You're you're slithering your way to the basket. But given the fact that Cade has been able to 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 use his mind to decipher these defenses in the NBA... Um, I, I can't imagine he'll have any trouble using his mind to figure out how he can leverage his skills into trips to the line. So I think that's coming with experience for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, we've seen also his move toward being a three-level scorer. I mean, this mm-hmm. is less about um, about his brains, but uh, he's been putting a lot of time into the mid-range game. That's something that's difficult to perfect. I mean, it, it's they're very small. Uh, there's a very small number of players in the NBA who is actually able to make mid-range pull-ups and efficient shot. For the most mm-hmm. part, the mid-range mm-hmm. game has really gone out of style because it's, I mean, if you're not shooting somewhere in the high 40s there, it's not really worth you taking those shots. So, you know, just because 45% from mid-range, that's 30% from three. I mean, it's pretty easy to decide which shot you want to take. Yep. So, but if you can pull that off, then you become exceptionally difficult to cover. Yeah, so, it's just another but, tool, right? It's just another tool for you to employ. Uh, yeah, to absolutely. make you easier, uh, more difficult to guard, right? And that uh, that opens up the rest of your game. And so if Cade can be that true three-level scorer, which he's already showing flashes of, it's just, his ceiling just, just creeps up and up and up. But then maybe one day we are looking at that six-foot-six six Chris Paul. Yeah, I mean, we were. <laughs> it's funny, and because uh, we were we were saying not similar things with when it came to Killian Hayes about about a year ago. It was like, okay, uh, well, if, if you know, <laughs> if he can do these things, then he could be you know like the eighth best point guard in the league. You know, if he can, uh, you know, shoot 
uh, pull up threes and shoot, take mid range shots. Of course, with Killing, it's more kind of like you have to be able to do this if you want to be, you know, a, a viable point guard, you know, a decent point sure. guard at all, a starting point guard at all. And sure. like, I'm just thinking about it. It's just no relation whatsoever. But yeah, with Kate, about 40 games into his career, you're really seeing flashes of that. The guy can definitely shoot pull up threes. You saw him flash some, uh, some step backs against Cleveland. I think those will come. He's got such a pretty shot. You always think it has a good shot, a good chance of going in. Yeah. And, so, yeah, I mean, if you can get the mid-range game in there, great, because that just means you have to play Cade that much more closely if you can't leave him open. Like, you no, remember, absolutely. yeah, like, uh, Luke Kennard, say what you will about Luke, and he's doing pretty well with the, with the Clippers right now. Yes, uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. So he was actually a pretty effective pick-and-roll player, and that was because he was a threat to score from everywhere. I mean, uh, he was a decent passer, too. I mean, teams really had to play him up close for mid-range, though, because uh, there was one season, I believe, well, he was always a threat to shoot close to 50% from mid-range, which is an, which is definitely an efficient shot. So if you have to cover him off the pick and roll very closely, then it opens up opportunities for others. With Kate, of course, you cover him closely. It gives him opportunities to blow by you as well. So right. it's just, I mean, I know both of us can talk and can just uh, could talk about Cade. And just oh, Cade, all day, diffuse, all day. Yeah, <laughs> we could talk about Cade for him. all day, all night. But let's, you know what? We got to give some love to the other true three-level scorer on this roster, Killian Hayes. You want to talk about uh, Killian Hayes? <laughs> yeah, <let's, laughs> yeah, so... Um, yeah, we that was can, a joke. That was a joke, guys. Absolutely, yeah. We can, but both we'll talk about Killian a little bit more further on in the show. But I know uh, you've been happy with uh, with the performance lately of your boy Sadiq Bay. Um, oh, right. What do, you, yeah. what do you feel you've seen from him? Yeah, because things have definitely changed. At the beginning of the season, we had between us quite a bit of disagreement. Like, is what they're doing making sense? You know, just trying to run him as an ISO scorer from the perimeter. And uh, you know, we I think we all kind of reached agreement that it was a terrible idea. Unfortunately, that is uh, pr- pretty much completely gone at this point and he's found other ways to be effective yeah but, uh, outside, but I think of, of those, yeah yeah but i think some of those tools that he gathered during that you know trepidatious time there where he was trying to figure out what he can do and what he can't do against nba competition and that of course dates back all the way to this year's summer league right he he is finding a way to score even when the three ball might not be dropping consistently. And if you're going to be competitive, now I'm, I'm not saying being competitive is the goal right now, but eventually, right? If you're going to be competitive, it, it behooves you to have guys on the floor who are not one-dimensional, you know? And, I, and I'm not saying that, that Sadiq has completely broken out of that one-dimensional mold just yet. But what I do think is that he's not entirely useless when he's not hitting his threes. He can oh, I agree. Yeah, yeah, he can drive to the basket with with a lot of strength. He's very strong. You know, he's very strong. There are uh, people who watch every game know that there's always that one Sadiq possession where he kind of gets tied up right around the basket. He lowers his head. He just bulldozes into whoever is around him with his shoulder. And then he goes up for an easy uncontested layup because he just blew his guys back, right? He's a strong player. He's someone who can get to the uh, get to the rack there. If he really tries his best, if he sets his mind to it and he tries his best to do so, he'll get there. Um, and I believe, I, Mike, you're the statistician of the two of us. I believe that his percentages from inside the arc are increasing. And and, and look, it, it doesn't have to look pretty. It doesn't need to be perfect. But the more ways that Sadiq Bey can help this team, it, it should go without being said, but I'll say it anyway, the better for the team. So I'm, right. I'm ecstatic with the improvement that we've seen from Sadiq. And really where it goes from, uh, where it goes now, he needs to be a little more consistent. But I think that'll come with age and experience. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, his decision making has improved a great deal, even Definitely. just over the course of this half season plus. Definitely. So, I, I do disagree that the early ISO experiment really did good things for him. I mean, I think primarily what we saw—who I mean, knows? Maybe there were some minor 
benefits to it. But I think what we largely saw was just him pretty much fall apart on offense and then, and then just become discombobulated to the point where he became a defensive liability as well. Like we can definitely agree. I mean, I know you really like Bay. He was horrible for his first, like, uh, well, there's no it. denying that. That's <laughs> yeah. of course true. Everybody saw it. Everybody yeah, so, saw it. Yeah. For his first, uh, really up until shortly before, uh, all of the COVID absences, he, uh, he was, he was terrible through his first like 25 or so games. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah, he's playing a, a, in an entirely different game now. I would say that still he's going to, I, I think he's going to be a perimeter shooter who can create some offense rather than a guy who creates offense and does perimeter shooting. Yeah. But there's no problem with that. I think he's still going to do prime, you know, as, as his career goes on, he's going to primarily be doing his damage from the perimeter and that's Probably. still where he's focused, but yeah, but yeah. what he's added and how is his offense has changed since that early stage of the season when it was like, Okay, Sadiq, take the ball and score as if that's not like the absolute most difficult thing to do in the NBA. You yep. know, it's just take the ball and create offense from the perimeter one on one. Yep. Um, he's instead making smart cuts to the basket when he's off the ball. He's initiating offense from the interior, which really plays a great deal more to his strength, you know, to his physical strength. And he's a very strong player. Just, just even by NBA standards, he's very solid. I mean, even just seeing him up close uh, last weekend, uh, you know, was, I don't know, for those of you who didn't listen to that episode, I managed, I was, I was very fortunate to get to sit at courtside in the Pistons versus Nuggets game for uh, the second and third quarters. And he's definitely very well built, no doubt about mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's just, he's he's been going for smarter offense. Definitely his percentages inside the arc have drastically improved. He was just, he was attempting so much horrible offense early on. And he's just taking better shots. But the, the thing I've been most impressed with lately is his evolution from an early season black hole to actually making the right pass a lot of the time. Yeah. 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 He's, he's, he's able to find guys across the court. Excuse me. On, on the other side of the, the arc, for example, when he's driving right, you can find guys in the opposite uh, three-point line. Yeah, he could toss a skip pass or two. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so yeah, he, he's he's been making the right pass to his credit more and more, and and passing out of bad situations rather than trying to force shots. So yeah, I've I've been impressed. I know we differ in our opinions as to his ceiling. I think I'd be happy if he were the fourth best player on a contender. I know you think he's capable of more than that, and mm-hmm. uh, I hope I'm wrong and you're right. Yeah. So yeah, um, yeah so we'll see. But but definitely. The fourth best guy in a contender is is a is a really good player. I mean, sure. that's like that's like especially where we picked yeah. him. Especially where we picked him. 100 percent. And, yeah. and I think that's such an important piece of nuance, right? When when discussing Sadiq Bay is look, yeah, but like Mike said, we differ on his ceiling. That's okay. Only time is going to tell the player that he eventually becomes. But I think it's pretty clear at this point he was an absolute home run draft pick at that spot. He's he's someone who, very evidently, at least to me is going to help this team out for a long time, you know, barring some trade that I don't foresee right now, he's going to be on this roster. He's going to be a piece and he's going to be effective while he's here. Um, Like I said, the consistency needs to come, but for right now, I I don't know how anyone is, is anything less than elated with how that pick has turned out. And really that's what you're shooting for in those later, you know, back half of the first round picks, right? That's, that's just a, that's just a grand slam. So I'm very, very pleased with what we've seen thus far. And I'm extremely pleased with, with the progression that he's shown this year too, especially after a slow start. So between yeah. him and Cade, we're very well represented in the rising stars game. And then um, <laughs> let's, uh, do you want to talk about Stuart now? Yeah. I'll just end with Sadiq by noting that, yeah, over his last uh, 20 plus games or so, you know, about the last six weeks, he's averaging about 20 points. And of course, you see some 
inflation there because he was being used on such high volume, right? Uh, you know, d- during uh, during that uh, short period of COVID absences, but. Nonetheless, uh, you know, over that time, shooting about thirty-seven percent from three is—I mean, his efficiency hasn't been great. You know, when shooting about forty-three percent overall, but it's definitely a drastic improvement from where he was. And mm-hmm. he's just a guy. Um, I know we said this after he was drafted. He's a guy you can count on to make. He's, he's wise beyond his years. You can count on him to make the right decision sure. in the majority For of sure. cases, which wasn't the case earlier in the season, which was a little bit concerning when he was awful. But he's he's definitely rebounded, and mm-hmm. that sort of foundational piece. I mean, like I said. I know that uh, there are that uh, a lot of people have high aspirations for him. Fourth best player and a contender. I mean, that's that's a that's a very valuable player. Definitely. So, and also clearly a leader uh, at the age of I think he's 20, 22, 23. Mm-hmm. Um, at, yeah, at that age, clearly one of the team leaders already. It's the kind of guy and you just, want, man. It's the kind of guy you want on your team. Playing absolutely, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. So yeah, we're gonna move on now. Yeah, as 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 you alluded to, Dante, to a guy who hasn't been quite as. Not the rising Good. star. Yeah, not a exactly. rising star. Yeah, exactly. I was uh, we, were, we were talking earlier, and I was saying that uh, the more appropriate game for Isaiah Stewart might be the falling stars game yeah. because man, yeah. has there been regression from last season? The guy is an absolute eyesore on offense, a, a tremendous offensive negative, and he's still a steady defender. I mean, he's he's having his issues with fouls. You can't you cannot take that away from Isaiah Stewart. He is a steady interior defender. He makes sure. the right reads, puts himself in the right positions. He is he is a menace guarding the paint, and he's a solid rim protector. But uh, ex- except for against guys who can just jump over him, <laughs> you know whether they're whether it, whether it's like the Damian Willards of the world or just guys who are taller and more athletic than well, him, then he has trouble. That's the issue, Mike, that, and that's the issue. And I hate. I, listen, I, I'm very critical of of like Killian Hayes, right? And I, and I know it's not fun to 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 get on here and 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 speak to all the listeners and and have to be down on our players, but. With Isaiah specifically, it, it hurts a little extra because I know he's a fan favorite. He's one of my favorites, and he just he plays so hard. He plays so hard, and a lot of what's gone on this year is through no fault of his own. I, I hate to harp on it, but it really is those physical limitations. And and I was thinking about how I wanted to tackle talking about Stewart, and it really just boils down to like he, he's not tall enough. And he can't jump high enough. And I know that sounds simple, and especially for a show <laughs> where we brand ourselves on, you know, the fact that we have this this really in-depth analysis to really just 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 come on and say, listen, he's too short and he can't jump high enough. It sounds simplistic, but it is the truth. You know, I I, I can't remember a time this season where Isaiah has won, you know, a 50-50 rebound. What Isaiah needs to do to win rebounds is he needs to make sure he's positioned correctly, he needs to gain his leverage, and he needs to just time it just right to grab those rebounds. If, if, if someone is bigger than him and they're matched up in the low post, he's losing that rebound battle every single time. And that applies inversely, right? Uh, to the other side of the court too. He, 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 he struggles on offense mainly because he doesn't have an easy way to get baskets. You know, I've lauded his, his touch around the rim before on this show. And I still do think he, he's got a nice soft touch for someone of his size and someone of his age. But unfortunately, you know, if you can't get the ball over your defender, it doesn't really matter. And then moving on to what really is the X factor for Isaiah, the uh, the shooting. Oh my God. Like to say that he's regressed is is an understatement. These shots oh, are yeah. not even close, Mike. They're not even yeah, close. Absolutely. Yeah. He's dropped uh, in mid-range. Uh, he's dropped from about 50% last season where he was actually legitimately valuable. I mean, if you left him open, that was a high efficiency shot for him. Yeah. He's dropped in the mid-30s. Oh man. Though my... Uh, 
yeah, he had he had a big game against against Denver, but that was really the only game this season in which he shot well. His from three, he is. Jeez, I mean, I, I had the stats up in front of me just a little while ago. I believe he's below 15%. He was 33% last season. That's crazy. And yeah, I would say it's it's beyond just his physical limitations, really. Those are an issue, and he has to compensate for them on offense. Like, yeah, he can't really jump. Uh, he's, he's not by any means a bad paint scorer when he gets the ball in an advantageous position there. He's actually got a really good touch, but yeah, definitely. He can't, yeah, he can't jump. He's just, he's not a factor on the pick and roll. He is undersized and he can't jump. That means it's really hard to get him the ball. He can't terrible hands too. Sorry to interject, Mike. He has terrible hands. Like yeah, he, he drops not, balls. I, like I have not seen a player, especially someone who really needs to dig in there and grab those, uh, those, those tough to get passes, have such poor hands. Like it's very noticeable. It's definitely a negative to his game. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, sorry if you guys heard a little bit of typing. Um, I was uh, just looking up the stats. Yeah, so f- from uh, from mid range, fifty one percent down to thirty six percent. From three point range, thirty two percent down to fourteen percent. Man, it, yeah, his efficiency overall, of course, has dropped. I mean, if you're going to be a traditional center, which he is this season, I mean, you really want to be really good at the rim, and yeah. he is not. So. Yeah, it's like basically all he has to offer right now, and this is partly coaching, but it's partly just what what he can reasonably offer. I mean, he sets a pick, and then he just rolls into the paints where he's doing nothing but clogging it. I mean, given mm-hmm. his limitations physically, he's got to be able to shoot the ball in order to be valuable. Again, we've said it. I think we all agree about this. Even if he's a good shooter, he can't realistically start. Uh, like maybe if you're running a good, like a really good role man next to him. like uh, Even then, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Even then, not I don't ideal. know. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, it's- yeah, it's not ideal. The guy's a super hard worker. I don't doubt that he's a really good team presence. I remember saying after the draft, like, you know, if he doesn't turn out to be a great, you know, a particularly good player, he can be team dad for the next decade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, it, it's just been so disappointing. Uh, on offense, he is just a massive negative. Like he can set strong screens and then he rolls into the paint and he's useless. And does nothing. Yep. Yeah, he, he, he does worse than nothing. He clogs the paint. Yeah. Like you, you, you know, with a player like him, he has to be a threat to pop. And like he has to be a player you cannot give space to at the three-point line. You cannot give space to mid-range. That's what made him effective to a degree last season is that he generated space in that fashion. And we've said, you know, we've talked about Garza, for example, and, uh, you know, the only way he's going to make it in the NBA, in my opinion, is if he's a threat, a high percentage threat from everywhere and you just can't give him space. Mm-hmm. Stewart, of course, has more, you know, to say he has more to offer than Garza on the on the defensive end would be drastically understating it. But he, yeah, it's it's just, uh, it's really ugly to watch him on offense. I mean, it's, it it's just tough to watch. And, it is, and it's unfortunate. And listen, yeah. this is the reality of player development. Not every single young guy that we get in here is going to develop on this exponentially positive path, right? Where they're improving, improving, improving. Uh, I've said it before, development is nonlinear. And sometimes that development doesn't shoot back up, right? Sometimes it just is what it is. And I'm not going to write off anybody early in their careers. I'm certainly not writing off Stuart. But what I do think we can say with certainty is that there are some glaring, and I'm talking glaring, flaws in his game that if he doesn't improve I things are not looking quite as bright as we maybe thought this time last year. So what, to, say what, the least. to say the least, right? And, and and going back to the shot too, we talk about the percentages, but even just from a visual standpoint, they're not, they, they don't look good. They're not even close. So then mm-hmm. you get into these, are these confidence issues? Are these mechanics issues? And right now it's just a mess. He's, he's a mess on offense, like Mike said. And, and whether or not he offers a great deal on the defensive end, which, which I would agree with you, Mike, he certainly does. We know that this is an offensive uh, league. 
right? This is a league based on offense. You need to be able to be a threat to do things on offense and you need to help your team. You need to fit into the flow of what we're trying to do on that end of the floor. And if you can't fit into the flow of what we're trying to do, and if you're actively hurting the team in some capacity, I don't know how valuable you are on the floor. And that's just the reality of it. Yeah, you've got uh, I mean, if you can't shoot, I question really where you can go as a backup center. I mean, there's some, sure. yeah, basically the replacement value at center is very high. Basically what that means is that you have a guy who can do his athletic, who can come in and set good picks, roll strong into the baskets, you know, score at a high percentage in the interior on opportunities that others, that others create for him, whether that be lobs or just passes underneath the basket and do a, f- and not be a, a defensive liability. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can, you know, you can, you can be a, a, fair, a decent backup center. So Stewart can't really do a lot of those things. He can't catch lobs. He's not a good role man. I mean, he's, he's a much better defender than the average backup center, but like he has to be able to shoot. I think if he's going to make his way in the NBA, you know, as a good player at all, because right now with the skills he has, he would not be able to fill in as a starter effectively. And even as a backup, you'd really be of somewhat questionable value. I mean, traditional centers are not worth that much in today's NBA, unless they're very good mm-hmm. at a bunch of things. Like right now, Isaiah Stewart is a traditional center who is not a good role man, who cannot catch lobs. And his efficiency right now, his true shooting is 55%, which is horrendous for a, for a traditional big, which he is yeah. right now. I mean, that just really illustrates what he is worth on offense when he can't shoot. I mean, if you're a traditional big, you want to be scoring. Your true shooting should be in the 60s somewhere. Yeah. You're better ones in the mid to high 60s. So, yeah, it's it's a problem. It's sad to see. I think all of us are in agreement that he can't be the long-term starting center by any means. No. And it's just ugly right now. And yeah, as of right now, certainly not. Certainly yeah. not. And I yeah. think, listen, we've been... I think that's enough negativity for right now. Let's move yeah, on to your favorite, on. your favorite yeah, topic, Mike. You know, oh, we want to move on. We want to move on to Killian Hayes. I mean, I'll just say with Stewart, you know, not, not to roll back like all of us, no, you and I and Tommy really like Stewart as, you know, just as an individual. I mean, there's nothing not to love about his work ethic and his, and his focus as a teammate. I hope we've it, made that clear. I think we have, yeah. I think we have, I, I, I think nothing but the best of Stewart as a, as a dude, right. I'll always remember, him charging like at LeBron James across the like, court, right? That was an all time moment. Not just once, but four Not times. Yeah. yeah. No, he went full on linebacker. So that that's the kind of guy. And when you talk about team dad, right? That's not yeah. a terrible thing to have. There are worse things to be than a career team dad, maybe someone who can be a spark plug off the bench. So obviously none of us are writing the book on him. None of us are admonishing him, you know, as a as a guy. We're just pointing out, look, there's some various serious there's some very serious flaws in his game. And they need to be addressed. If they're not addressed, then we question his long-term utility. Um, and yeah, that I think that about does it for our rising stars. <laughs> I know yeah, we spent a little bit longer on that than maybe we wanted to, but that really is, that's those are the pertinent storylines when it comes to this team, are the young guys. And so you got to forgive us if we go on about them a little bit. And uh, speaking of the young guys, I actually earlier when we, I, I thought we were going to transition right into Killian Hayes because I've yeah. been really itching to get Mike's take on, because uh, we <laughs> talked about it a little bit, but not like too at length. I've been itching to get Mike's take on Killian off the bench. So, so Mike, why don't you kick us off? And now a quick word from our sponsor. The moment we've been waiting for since September is finally here. In honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in New York, meaning you can bet from almost a third of the entire country. If Sportsbook isn't in your state yet, don't worry. Play DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest for Super Bowl 56, featuring friend of Detroit, Matthew Stafford. So, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. 
Use promo code TBPN and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. 21 plus. Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Voidware prohibited. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. So Killian, uh, I, I think it was, I mean, I was surprised that he was ultimately put on the bench Same. because I know that the, I know that the organization really wanted things to work out between he and Kate. I know they didn't want Killian to just be, you know, right off. We, there's definitely an agreement, the three of us, that his, his value dropped substantially the moment Kate joined the team. Killian no was, yeah, no Killian doubt. profiled as this uh, kind of possession heavy pick and roll heavy guard. Uh, who is going to run the offense? And of course, Cade is has considerably better utility in that role than Killian, you know, than, than Killian does. I mean, Cade's ceiling is in that role is astronomically higher, and Killian doesn't really have the tools to be a highly effective off ball player, even if he could shoot. So, I'm glad that that was given up upon, uh, given up on rather, because it just wasn't going to work, and it was super ugly. So, I mean, we've got Corey Joseph playing shooting guard right now, which I don't think is ideal. I, I would love for Frank Jackson to be given that opportunity. And Dwayne Casey, uh, in his not-so-infinite wisdom, has rarely played the two of them together, Cade and Frank, in good lineups with Cade as the primary ball handler and Frank playing shooting guard. I mean, I, I think that's it's an obvious thing you could do. And, of course, Dwayne Casey's not going to do it. <laughs> of course not. So, yeah, Killian to the bench. Uh I don't think it's really made much of a difference for him. It, it's given him more chance to be impactful, but he just still has glaring holes in his game. I mean, to his meager credit, he's been going to the basket more. Yeah. He still doesn't. He doesn't attack rim protectors. I mean, he's he'll attack against his direct assignment, and it's like good for him. He's been drawing more free throws, but he still can't shoot, and that's that's just a glaring hole in his game in general he still takes a lot of bad shots inside the arc too but the fact that he cannot space the floor is an issue we are long past the era in the nba in which point guards were just these super possession heavy guys who didn't need to shoot i mean that's like russell westbrook for example but just in in general um killian just he has to be he's just he's just it remains a deeply incomplete player yeah you have to be able to space the floor you have to be able to score effectively in some way he's gotten better at scoring at the rim he still has his issues he cannot score from the perimeter he's made like three threes in six games since being put on the bench so does he look better yes but he's starting from a very low point he still yeah. can't he still is not breaking down defenses and creating uh, creating for his teammates off the dribble or not very well anyway he's i'll just come back to it killian hayes if he does not become an effective floor spacer has no hope of surviving in the nba none like no no ifs ands buts none he is a decent defender. He is not a world-beating defender. I mean, that's he's a plus defender in most situations, provided he's not being asked to defend explosive guards like John Morant or even Westbrook, who will absolutely annihilate him, whether in isolation or in the pick and roll. But he has to be able to shoot. He can probably make a career in the NBA if he can shoot. He has to be able to shoot. There are no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He has to be able to shoot or he is done. <laughs> I mean, and that is true for the vast majority of perimeter players, but particularly for Killian. Mike, I... Uh... I think you held back a little bit there. Would you mind yeah. restating that and telling us how you really <laughs> feel yeah. about him as a player? I, yeah, no, definitely. I, I, I'm kidding, but it, it's, it's, yeah, I listen, hear you. Listen, you can't, we don't want to get on here and pull punches, right? 
And the Killian Hayes thing is not a fun topic for any of us to talk about. I Listen, I personally, I much prefer plugging my mic into my laptop and talking about the Cade Cunninghams and the City Bays of the world oh, and the ways sure. in which they're impressing us and the ways in which what they're doing on the court spells a brighter future for the organization that we all love. That's just, the, I prefer doing that. But when it comes to obvious, you know, blatant negatives, we got to tell it like it is. And, and the reality with Killian is that this, what he has become, right? Or what he, maybe a better way to state that would be what he has proven to be was certainly not the plan. It was certainly not Weaver's vision. It was certainly not uh, Casey's vision. And it's certainly not what the fans wanted to see. So I, I think I'm trying to adopt, you know, a little bit of, uh, I'll give Tommy a shout out because this is sort of Tommy's attitude. You got to take the little victories at this point, right? You know, they're not going to drop Killian. It doesn't make a whole lot of financial or trade compensation sense to drop uh, them. Yeah, he's a 20-year-old. Yeah, exactly. He's a raw 20-year-old foreign point. Well, not foreign. He's from Florida, France, whatever hybrid. But he he does have some upside, right? And you Mm -hmm. don't want to dump him for nothing. But as of this moment, we know that they're going to continue to play him as long as he's here. I highly doubt he's going to find himself in the G League or find himself out of the rotation altogether. So while he is here and while he is playing, I'm going to try and look for the positives. Um, One positive that I'll say, or that I'll relay to the listeners is that I entered um, the pre Killian Hayes on the bench era with a 0% uh, confidence level that Killian would ever be useful for this team. And I think right now I'm sitting at one to 2%. Um, (laughs) And that may not seem like a massive jump, but like going from zero to one to two means that he showed a little bit of life. He showed us something. I agree with you, Mike. I think he's driving to the basket with a bit more confidence. Uh, He's looking to be an offensive factor. Now, that doesn't mean that he is one, but at least he's trying. Um, I had a buddy at the game. Um, I, I, he was at the Cavs game. Uh, I couldn't go, unfortunately. And, and he told me that Killian looked so just not confident in his handle, oh, yeah. in his shot, in his drive, in anything. And he said to me something that I actually agree with. He said, you know, Killian's got a lot of tools at his disposal. disposal. He's got fantastic vision. Uh, he can pass the ball just on a frozen rope. And there, there are tools there. There are things there that you can maybe unlock, you know, unearth and, and, and sort of grow. But unfortunately, we just haven't seen them yet. So if the way for him to gain his confidence back, um, if the way for him to develop his skills is off the bench, you know, against uh, theoretically lesser competition, I'll take the small victories. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll cheer when he hits an open three. You know, when he, when he finishes a floater, I'm happy. Um, right now, that's what it's about. You got to watch Killian. You got to look for small, right. You got to look for small areas of improvement and maybe those small areas of improvement will build up into some substantial improvement eventually. That's all it is. I I agree that there's absolutely no reason to drop the guy. I mean, I know that it's, uh, it's been very disappointing and just some disappointments can parlay itself into, Oh, you know, he's screwed, whatever. I mean, it does not behoove this team in the least bits to give up on Killian anytime soon. You see, you see what you see what you can get out of it. His issue right now is that on offense, he's not good at anything. He is not is not capable of running an offense at all. I mean, yeah, confidence. Sure, yeah, he looks like he has more confidence. However, it's like it's relative to zero confidence at all. When I was watching him up close in the Denver game, uh, the one at, uh, at Ball Arena, so the away game, basically the Pistons played a home and home. Mm-hmm. He just he looked. He looked like he was running scared. He just he didn't look like he belonged at all. But and, and so he's still not a competent offensive lead. He cannot break down defense. He can't run an offense because he cannot break down defenses off the drive and great for his teammates. He just can't do it. 
and we're, we're talking actually attacking down the middle, drawing double coverage, unhinging the defense, and making passes to whoever's open. I mean, that's a useful skill. Like you said, Killian has super high IQ. He's a really good passer, but he can't do that right now, and he can't shoot threes. I mean, he's just... He hasn't. He has very, very little to offer. So, yeah, looking better. I mean, that's yeah, that's that's a very relative thing. And at this point, he's still not even a qualified backup point guard. No, it's, definitely yeah. not. And it's such a and it's a negative feedback loop too, right? Because you 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 work on building his confidence, and then if he goes out there and he doesn't perform, his confidence gets worse, and then that scales with his level of play, and then it's a, it's a negative feedback loop, right? And I think it's very telling. Um, that the two people that I'm friends with who just went to games recently both relayed the same message in that Killian Hayes does not look confident up close. Um, I wish Tommy was here because Tommy's the one who, I think he said it in the offseason that he thought that Killian's problems were mainly mental. Uh, I don't know if I'm willing to go that far, but I do lend some credence to the idea that we would probably see a pretty different player if he was operating at maximum confidence. But unfortunately, going out there on national TV and sucking for lack of a better word is not doing anything for anybody's confidence at least nothing positive and so unless he really turns it around i don't see that aspect of his mentality changing it's kind of got to be a wait and see game and 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 see if something clicks and if he can figure it out fast yeah he i mean one of the things that is persistently irritating me about killian it's like okay a player goes out and struggles i mean and then what is basically his work you know more or less his rookie season mm-hmm. it's like whatever what, what's really kind of pissed me off about killian is his refusal to do what all the rest of his teammates do which is charge into the interior and take contact it's just yeah. an aspect of the game you have to be willing to do that no he's always like, fading away for these weird you know yeah. left-handed push shots rather than driving right rather with than driving with full force into your man into the paint and and getting those higher percentage looks he's just not doing it yeah he's not doing it and it's key if you want to break down defenses to do that even even now he's just driving left and taking relatively low percentage layups the reason that it's remarkable is that he's taking contact from his defender at all so you you look for the positives but uh, what you're seeing you know what we've seen so far uh, in in the last I think five games he's been coming off the bench is improvement from like one of the worst players in the league to just really bad. But you know, that there are some positives, but if he could just shoot the ball, if he could shoot, uh, hit his open threes at like 38%, he would immediately become a significantly more valuable player. He would still be a very incomplete point guard, but it would be something. It just, it would be something yep. uh, at the same time. And Nobody likes to hear it this way. It's like, okay, he's playing badly. At least he misses shots at key points and the Pistons lose games and they make them, you know, they move one step closer to getting another conceivable difference maker in the draft that they still really need. Yeah. So, you know, I don't subscribe to that line of thought. Uh, I like yeah, to see but, young players succeed where they can, right? Yeah. They would succeed where they can, but, you know, we're talking about Killian Hayes here. I hate to put it that way, but, um, you know, we all still all hope for the best for him and none of yep. us is big. Yeah. None of us is big on saying it's over for Killian Hayes and drop no. him and that's it. You know, that's, that's not the case. It doesn't behoove the Pistons. It doesn't to even make about sense. Doing that. doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't make sense at all. So, you, you know, you hope that he comes, I don't think we'll see, maybe we will, but I don't think we'll see significant improvement from him this season. Who knows? Maybe, maybe next season. So, uh, yeah, moving on to the next, or, no, obviously the big story today. We're recording this just after the the Pistons lost against the Pelicans. Mm-hmm. Is the return of Jeremy Grant? Now, I <laughs> Jeremy Grant unfortunately came back, and his first shot, which he made, was uh, was a pull up long two, and his second yeah, shot, which he that. missed, was a pull up long two. You love yeah, that, didn't and you? then his first shot. No, I didn't. Not at all. <laughs> uh, and when he came when he when he came off the bench for, and when he came back for his second stint in the game, he didn't play a ton tonight. His first shot was a pull up long two. And 
I'll say it again. I mean, some of this is Dwayne Casey, who absolutely cannot resist. He's like a kid in a candy shop when he has a veteran who he feels he can <laughs> ISO and he can just give the ball and say, please shoot, you know, like uh, a couple seasons ago, it was it was all NBA Blake Griffin, where it was like Casey's game plan was hugely dependent upon Blake just taking the ball and creating offense out of nothing. And often Casey didn't even have his players moving on the perimeter to give uh, well, whichever few players who could actually shoot threes in that team. And before that, of course, it was DeMar DeRozan and Casey just can't resist. And he's, it's, I think from this game, it's clear. He said before the game, you know, I'd like Jeremy to find his own way, but you know, he's going to have to find his way in a, in a team where Burkating and, and, uh, and Sadiq are going to be big guys uh, down the stretch in close games. And I'd like Jeremy to continue moving the ball. Uh, you know, this is Dwayne Casey who sometimes just says things and doesn't do anything. <laughs> doesn't actually follow through on them. Well, I like, think he's still, yeah, I, I think he's still not coaching Jeremy's shot selection, um, which is a problem. If he really wants Jeremy to come in and properly do his thing, he's, he's got to use the guy in the full of the, in the full of the offense. Yeah. And it I was think, ugly. It was ugly tonight. Um, do I have permission to go ahead and disagree with you a little bit? <laughs> Is that... Thanks. Thanks, Lumberg. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. We, we spoke about this a little bit before we started recording, but I like, I, I like, I thought Grant was fine tonight. Like, I thought he was fine. I know he came in and he immediately took the long two. Uh, he hit it. Um, which is, that's good. You know, you'd, you'd rather him hit it, right? If he's going to take that shot. And I think he had back-to-back long twos. And I, and I know people were probably pissed. I was pissed when he took that second one, but then I rewound it. I mean, nobody was moving around Jeremy. He was making reads. Um, I, I watched very closely. He was clearly looking around, checking for who's open. Nobody moved. And he just, you know, popped one over a defender who did not have the reach or height advantage. And he just popped one right over him. So I think... Yeah, those shots can be coached out of his game. You'd think with um, maybe a more competent coach. I know that sounds hard yeah. to do what it is. Well, but well, at the what, same... we've, what we've got right now is not a competent coach, and he's right. got two and more years on his contract. That's well established, and who knows where that's a discussion for another podcast. But with what we have right now, I, I didn't think Grant was too bad tonight. I, I What I was expecting was Grant to be force-fed the ball and for him to force bad shots up, and I didn't see a whole lot of that that outside of one or two instances um i didn't notice him a whole lot out there and when i did notice him i thought he was making plays he was hitting his threes uh he had a really nice sort of scoop reverse under the basket um as the shot clock expired and and i thought that he did in a sense find his way in this offense and, and and sort of fit in without making it all about him um now that being said i didn't love Cade's usage tonight i know he went out with the hit pointer i checked twitter after apparently he went back to the bench i think he's fine um yeah, he was he was doubtful to return it wasn't yeah, like he was immediately not a, out of the game mm-hmm, it's probably not a serious injury i don't I, obviously we don't want to speculate on injuries but it's looking mm-hmm. like it's nothing too too big but i didn't love Cade's usage tonight and i think Absolutely a lot of that agree. has to do with it's yeah. exactly what you said though mike it's Cade and Sadiq are going to be big parts of this. I, I would go so far as to say they have to be big parts of this. And so how do we reconcile, if we do keep Jeremy, his role with their role? I don't know. Is Casey the guy to figure that out? Probably Absolutely not. not. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. But I just tonight as, a, as like a one-off, like his return, I didn't think it was too bad other than how Cade was used. Oh, yeah. So here's what I feel about Twink. Well, Everyone knows how I feel about Twin Casey. The guy can't run an offense that uses more than three players at one time. One of them is going to be the center. And for all these games, when Grant was out, it was Cade and Sadiq and Stewart. 
who were doing everything, you know, who were doing everything and Killian would cover on the periphery and do very little, though it was very easy to cover him. And Hamadou would be used as a spot up shooter in the corners, which was just the worst way to use him. The absolute worst way to use him. Like you saw, like Hamadou, how to use him, even though he can't shoot, he is still the best pure driver on the steam. You run on the pick and roll, you use him to attack easy matchups or mismatches. Uh, and you have him cut aggressively at every opportunity from the corner in case he was doing none of those things. Instead, he was catering to Hamadou's biggest weakness, which is that he can't shoot. So yeah. you saw it tonight. I mean, there was this one possession on which he ended up on, on Alvarado, who's probably like six feet, maybe even less than six feet tall. And you see from the very beginning that Hamadou was going to attack him, and he did, and he did it successfully. So uh, whatever the case, Casey just cannot, he seems, even from his Toronto days, except for that one season in which Nick Nurse was running the offense, from which Casey apparently learned absolutely nothing. Yeah, He can't run an offense that uses more than three guys. And now you have four guys he wants to use. He wants to use Cade. Uh, he wants to use Sadiq. He wants to use Grant now as well, in addition to uh, Isaiah Stewart or whoever's the center on the floor who is just going to be involved from setting picks and rolling the basket. So it was ugly tonight. I think it was ugly for several reasons. One of them was what I just enumerated. Uh, another was that Casey still basically lets Grant do whatever he wants. And uh, But just third is that when you have Kate on the floor with both Corey Joseph and Jeremy Grant, things are unlikely to run well and you're unlikely to get the most out of Cade. Uh, and so much in the NBA of having a successful team is maximizing the talents of your players, Definitely. putting players out there who synergize well together. And I don't see a way in which, uh, in which, well, at least under this coach, who's going to be around for the foreseeable future, unless something unexpected happens, how they can make that work. So I'd still love for Jeremy Grant to be traded, but that assumes that a good package w- would come along and we'll see. I mean, the, the deadline is an attempt. We're recording this on the first. It's not far off and things can heat up. As as the deadline approaches, I would really like to see him move because I don't think that he's ever going to be a good fit with Cade, who's, who profiles as this heliocentric creator. That well, definitely, I would say, not under this coach. I think, I think the Grant of the Denver Nuggets might profile as a good fit with Cade. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, though, we, we're all well versed in the story of the, there's a reason why Jeremy came here. Uh, there's a reason why he flourished uh, at the like, well, for most of the season last year was because he uh, got to be the guy. And it doesn't well, make a. Oh, go he ahead. Did, he did best at the beginning. Uh, and I, I don't think that, I mean, he was actually better away from Griffin and, and about equal. You know, his, his stats didn't really change whether he was on or off the floor with Rose. But last season, he started strong and then really went downhill uh, yeah. pretty consistently. This season, Aside from his first three games, he was pretty good. But I don't think he came here to be the guy. I think that, uh, and I would be shocked if Troy Weaver had promised him that because granted, you know, had really not been anything as a creator before that. But he came to be a primary, you know, primary option in the offense to not be what he was in Denver, which was basically not option number three. He was option number five, really, in terms of his overall usage behind first Jokic and Murray and then off the bench, Michael Porter Jr. and Monte Morris. He came to be more than that. Certainly. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I think that him, yeah, and I think that with operating under Dwayne Casey, can he be more than that and fit synergetically with Cade? I mean, sample the, the sample size so far would tell us probably not. So I, I would have to agree with you, Mike. I, I, I hope that he's moved, and not because I don't like him as a guy, not because I don't like him as a player. I just think it benefits the organization most to move on. Um, and I do expect him to be traded. I, I think that there have been some – there's sort of been this like idea amongst Fist- Pistons fans lately that the the trade market for Grant has cooled. I don't 
see how that could be the case. I think what we did see were some credible reports come out saying, hey, the Pistons are maybe asking for a little more than teams are uh, willing to pay or at least willing to admit that they're willing to pay. And that's sort of why a deal hasn't gone through yet, right? You hold your cards close to your vest, you start the price off high, and then ideally you come to some kind of resolution and agreement around the trade deadline or at the trade deadline. So before we hit the panic button on, you know, we're not going to get a return for Grant and he's going to stay and he's going to mess everything up. Let's wait till the trade deadline passes. I'd imagine, uh, what is it? So it's February 1st. Yeah, we're going to have, we're definitely going to have an episode out uh, in addition to this one prior to the trade deadline. We'll go yeah. into that a little more in detail during that episode, but I want him to be traded and I still expect him to be traded. So let's not hit the panic button just yet on that. Yeah. I would be very disappointed if he weren't traded, unless it were to come out that there were just no good offers made because... Well, I'd still be disappointed I mean, I, in that case. <laughs> I'd still be disappointed. Yeah, I, I, yeah I, I think that at this point, and certainly under this coach, I mean, so if, if you were to get Grant in a position where you had a competent coach running him within the flow of an offense, like, sure, the guy is a capable shooter who can create off the drive and effectively attack the basket. Uh, if you were just having him do that from within the flow of a well-run offense, uh, you know, and having him played to his strengths, uh, then sure, you know, you have a, a capable number three. I, I, I continue to think that a capable number three and a contender, but that's not how he's ever going to be used under Dwayne Casey and Dwayne Casey is going to be here for the foreseeable future. Yeah. And uh, it's like, you want to keep these players away from Dwayne Casey. And I think for the sake of the youth on this team, it's best if Grant is not here. Yep. Yeah. No, well so, said. Well said, yeah. man. Um, so, yeah, we want that's, to, that's Grant. Do, yeah, that's Grant. Do we want to jump into some user submitted questions here? Yeah, let's let's go ahead with that. So uh, the first question we actually had was one which we have already answered, which was, uh, you know, pleased with the small sample size of Killing coming off the bench for the second units. Yes and no. He's been better, but he's still been really bad. Yeah, we we answered that in depth. If you want to hear our answer to that, just rewind. <laughs> just rewind a little bit. We went pretty in depth on that one, I think. Yeah. So uh, the second one, if K decide one for a few games here, based on my, uh, you know, if I've got some background in anatomy. Um, I think maybe the Pistons will play it extremely safe with him. Uh, but a hit pointer is just really, is it's not, uh, that's basically just a bruise. Um, and maybe it can be, you know, it can vary in severity just like any other injury. So it's possible we see him out for a few games, but if he sidelined for a few games, what would you like to see the Pistons out of this Pistons team? Oh, that'll be tough. I might not be watching. Uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding guys. I still love Sadiq Bay. Uh, still a Jeremy Grant guy. I got to see what that trade value uh, sort of yields here leading up to the deadline. But that would be, I think at this point in the season, and I think with how dejected, um, every, obviously there's been spurts of like, you know, the big game against the Cavs for Cade, uh, the win against the Nuggets. But for the most part, this has been a pretty depressing season. And I think to go into the stretch here without Cade would be a tough pill to swallow for a lot of people who just want to watch some fun basketball, you know, after a long day at work or something. So what am I hoping to see if I have to find a silver lining there? I mean, if Sadiq can play efficient games being, you know, the one B to Grant's one A, um, if Grant can be efficient too, and sort of make sure that his trade value stays where it's at, if not elevate his trade value. Um, and I'd like to see a little more out of Killian. I know that that we, we, we talked about that ad nauseum earlier in the episode, but yeah, maybe if he can just keep making those small strides, um, maybe with more opportunity to do so in Cade's absence, that would be nice. So those are three things I'd, I'd keep an eye on. Yeah, 
I, I'm not sure who would step into the starting lineup. I, I think that they would probably opt to keep Killian coming off the bench. Yeah, maybe you'd see. I would like to see Frank Jackson in the starting lineup. Just see how uh, how he operates there. The trouble is that I think that Casey really just depends on on the bench. I, so yeah, with Kate out, I would like to see Hamadou actually used properly. I think he would be the one who would go back in the starting lineup, use him properly in the ways mm-hmm. that I enumerated before. That's a big one. Yeah. Yeah. That would one. be really nice. I don't think it's going to happen because I don't think Casey is capable of doing that. Oh, for um, all we know, Casey will slog Garza in at the two, right? You never know. What that <laughs> so yeah, that, that would yeah. be something. That yeah. Be. So yeah, Grant, I guess playing some big games. Um, and I would really like to see Trey Lyles traded if anything could be gotten for him. I think maybe you draw a second round pick from him for a team that is also, or maybe a little bit more for a team that is looking to bring in a useful role player and dump some salary for whatever reason. I have not gone into which teams might be interested in that, but he's been playing really well lately. Um, So he continues to play well. Great. And if all these things happen and the Pistons continue to lose, I'm not, I'm not average. Like I've seen some, some confusion, not from you, Dante, but that, that, uh, tanking means asking young players to play badly. That doesn't happen. No, <laughs> anywhere. No, doesn't nope. happen anywhere. Well, actually, if you if you uh, if you look at uh, Brian Flores's lawsuit against the NFL today, it was alleged that the uh, Miami Dolphins owner offered him one hundred thousand dollars per loss. Wow. Yeah, it's yeah. it's that's uh, that's kind of a bombshell, like a bit of a media circus waiting to happen if that proves to be the case. But. Uh, um, we're talking about the Pistons right now. So in the case of the Pistons, I would imagine that's not happening. So, yeah. Yeah, the Pistons have uh, a, a very difficult remaining schedule as well. I believe they only have a few t- a few games against bad teams. I think, I can't remember if they have one more game against uh, against the Magic. They have, uh, yeah, they have one more game looking the schedule right now. They have one more game against the Magic. Um, goodness. They, they, they've got a very difficult remaining schedule, and that's probably for the best. <laughs> um I, yeah, like I said, like I said before, and I, I know you disagree about uh, about losing games, but we definitely agree that the Pistons need another high level talent in the draft. I mean, it's it's such a big deal. You, yeah, no, we definitely agree on that, one hundred percent. Yeah, so um, yeah, they've got one more game against the Thunder that will be a, a big deal as well. I, I really don't want it to be like last season where I was uh, just watching these games down the stretch and getting really stressed out, hoping the Pistons would lose. So. There's there's that. I mm-hmm. hope that all those things happen and that the Pistons uh, continue to lose games. So, because I, I do think we saw last season that you can have a, a really bad season and still have your youth develop uh, very effectively. Yep. So yeah, that's that's it for the user submitted questions. Um, like I said at the beginning, you know we're really looking to further drive user engagement with the show. So follow us on Twitter at to the basket pod. You could tweet episode suggestions, user submitted questions at us. Um, we read all of them. You could join us on the Discord, the Detroit Pistons Discord, and of course we post all of the episodes on the r slash Detroit Pistons subreddit. And we're very open to your thoughts, suggestions, and feedback. And and like I alluded to earlier, we may have some cool stuff coming up for the listeners that we'll probably relay at a later date. So, uh, Mike, if you don't have anything else to add, I think that's going to do it. So we appreciate you listening, and we will see you in the next episode.